Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's go to, we're going to read in Joshua chapter 5 in just a moment. Uh, It's been an amazing year at Calvary, hasn't it? What a year that we are celebrating. What a season that we are experiencing here at Calvary. Our 40th year. It's just amazing what God has done. You know, when we look back on 40 years, why do we even look back? Why do we take some time? And, and again, thank you for the celebration. Uh, Pastor Phyllis and I and our family could not have been more blessed and honored. And, and, and just, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Uh, to our pastoral staff, our staff, our elders, our trustees, our board, thank you. Thank you, church family. Uh, you guys celebrate. You, you, you honor and, and we're overwhelmed. But, but why do we take those moments? What's the value of, of looking at what God has done because we see his faithfulness, amen? We see the faithfulness of God. We see his provision. We say, look what the Lord has done. We, we're reminded of the miracles that he's done to get us here, uh, the salvations that we've seen, those called into ministry, the revival and outpourings that we've experienced. Has anybody been blessed over the last years at Calvary? Can I see your hand? Could we say God has been good? Let's give him thanks for that today. Man, God's track record is good around here. Amen. Could you say God's credit rating is good around here? Can anybody say amen to that? What's that? Your, your uh, FICO? Is that the right word? His FICO score is really high at Calvary. He's never missed a payment. Come on. Somebody say amen. He's never been behind. So why do we look back? Because it builds our faith for where we're going. It, it causes us to realize God You've been good. The victory of Calvary is not Pastor and Miss Phyllis. It's, it's we. It's a we victory. It's the family of God victory. And God gets all the glory. Amen? God gets all the glory. Only God. If it hadn't been from the Lord. Amen? If we had not seen his move. And so it encourages us. But, but what's the next step for us? Where do we go, you know, celebrating this year? We're, we're winding down this 40th year. It, it, it's been overwhelming, but what's next? How do we prepare with all that God has done? You see, some people, uh, God blesses them, and, and they just sit down on that blessing. That's the last thing they ever see God do. But how many of you are in agreement with your pastor today? I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. How many are saying it's too early for me to spiritually retire? Come on. Do you know there's some people in church that have been retired spiritually for years? How many are with me today? I mean, if you ask them, tell me what God's doing. It's 20 years old. Tell me what God's doing in your life. It's 15 years ago. Tell me what God said. What's God speaking to you? They got to sit down and think. Go get their journal. They haven't heard from God in a year. Come on, how many are with me today? See, so God is moving and, and, and his faithfulness in the past is the foundation for our future. And so we look at that. And, and, and so what's the next step? When, when, when a church family, when an individual, when, when a family's been blessed like we've been blessed, what do we do? How do we prepare for the next step? What do we do as we're winding down this year so we can move into our next? Is there something I need to do now that will prepare me for my next? Is there something I need to understand about this moment? As I stand in this critical moment, that's where we are, looking back at what God's done, anticipating what he's going to do. What connects yesterday and tomorrow right now connects those things. And how we respond to that allows us to move in and experience all the fullness that God has for us. I wanted to read this passage out of the New Living Translation, and so I have it here with me. If you have that, you can find it on your device. It's going to be here. Joshua chapter 5 and verses 9 through 12, I believe, exactly speak to where we are as a church family right now. I believe it's exactly. So here they are on, on, on the edge of the promised land. They have finally stepped across that Jordan River, They are at the culmination of 40 years, and God is telling them something's about to change. Something is going to shift, and God speaks to them. I want you to see this. So then we read this, Joshua 5, 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today, someone say today, not yesterday, are you with me? Not tomorrow. What did the Holy Spirit say? Raise your expectation. 
Raise your expectation. I want you to say that to yourself right now. I want you to say, I'm raising my expectation right now. I'm raising my expectation today. Someone say today. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. See, we, it, you know, the only day that's really a challenge to us is today. Did you hear me? Yesterday's not a challenge. It's gone. Tomorrow is not so much a challenge. I'm not there yet. If God is going to do something in your life, the challenge of faith is today. Are you with me on that? Okay. If we understand our todays, listen to this. If we understand our todays, we get to experience everything he has for us tomorrow. If I don't get today, tomorrow will never be what it could have been. All right. So what does he say? He said, see, a real Bible won't time out on you. All right. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. Wow. How many want to come out of every bit of guilt or shame or fear or lack or loss that the enemy wants you to do in your life? Anybody with me today? That's a critical thing. Today I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So this place has been called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal in the Hebrew simply translates rolled away. Next verse 10. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal, the place where shame was rolled off them. Come on. On the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. What was significant about that? They had failed to do that while wandering in the desert. While they were charting a path of murmuring, doubting, discouragement, and despair, listen to me, they forgot about the delivering power of God. They stopped celebrating Passover. What is Passover? It is the annual reminder to them that there was a day when you were in bondage in Egypt and for 430 hard years you had been there. And God sent you a word and says, I want you to go get a lamb. And I want you to get a lamb without spot. And I want you to take that lamb and shed his blood. And I want you to go to the doorpost of your house. And I want you to put some over the top and on the side because I'm about to do something in your life. I'm going to break 430 years of reproach off your life. I'm going to rewrite the trajectory of your life. It doesn't always have to be the way it was. You don't have to finish the way you started. You don't have to die the way you were born. You don't have to live under what you've been living under. I'm going to do something. And the enemy of death passed over them. They had forgotten that. They had, they had uh, devalued that in their life because they weren't walking close to God. And so he says, I'm getting ready to do something in your life. And, I, and, and, and so they said, we sense something is shifting. We sense that today is not just another day. Calvary, I believe that we are not in a chronos time at Calvary, just marking days and years on the calendar. We're in a Kairos time at Calvary. And God is saying, today I'm going to shift some things and do some things. And as we come out of this year and launch into our new season, you need to be ready for what God's going to do. So he tells them, this, 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 they celebrate Passover. Now watch what happens. Verse 11, the very next day. See, if I do the right thing today, I've got something to happen the next day. How many want a next day in your life? Okay, let me ask you this. How many want a next day that's not like yesterday? <laughs> Did you get that? How many want a next day that's not like my yesterday? Well, you better do something today. Everybody with me? So the next day, the very next day, they began to do something they hadn't done in 40 years. Something was going to transition. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. Verse 12, no manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land. For the first time in 40 years, their diet changed. And it was never seen again. Listen to me. There's some things you've gotten used to you need to stop being used to. Huh? Huh? Now, let me go over here on this side because I don't think about it. Maybe this side. Get it. There's some things you've gotten used to. 
that you should have never gotten used to. There's some things you're accepting in your life that never were the will of God. There's some things you've settled for when you should be moving on. There's some things that have begun to define the church in America that should have never been put on our identity. There are some things that we have accepted that aren't from the hand of God. There's some things that we have taken. Let me back up. There's some things that came from the hand of God, but were only intended to be temporary to get you to the next place. But because we gave up believing that I have a tomorrow, I have been trapped into this place, living on a meager supply, a less than his best, when I have something greater over here because I have accepted as normal what God calls abnormal. I have made something permanent that God only intended to be temporary. See, some of us got stuck walking through the valley of the shadow of death. God will get you through the valley, but he didn't plan on building you a house there. God will walk you through it so you can talk about where you've come from, not cry about where you are. Okay. Is this all right to preach like, look, I got, I got a lot built up. I'm trying to, okay. See, because I want to get us to this place. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land. It was never seen again. So watch, from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan or their promised land. Now, here, here's what I want us to begin to see. You can see behind me kingdom seeds, kingdom seeds. Pastor, what are are we doing? It's important in light of that scripture. It's so relevant to where we are that we take a moment and and, and let's unpack, revisit the principles of how the kingdom of God becomes reality on earth in connection to seed. How do we relate and connect how God's will takes place by understanding what God meant to do with seeds. Now, I want you to understand this. There have been rip-off artists with reverend in front of their name. <laughs> or apostle, or prophet, or elder. Or take your pick. Who have mistaught the power of seeds to pad their pocket. Just to raise an offering. But I'm going to tell you, we're we're about to see this. You need to, if if that's your problem, we need to take a fresh look at some things. Many years ago, as a younger pastor, because of the, uh, what I considered misinformation, imbalanced information, taught about giving and money, I shied away from that, pastoring this church. Because I didn't want to be concluded or included in the number of those who did those kind of things, manipulative uh, preaching and teaching and hidden agendas. And so I just didn't talk about money. We would come to the offering and we'd just take the offering and go on and it was it. It was almost like we had to apologize for it. At the end of a year, this was almost 20 years ago, I've been faithful to obey God in this for 20 years. I was praying as I always do as I end a year and asking God, what, what, what do you, what, you know, just evaluating, where are we? Are we doing okay? What, are we on track? What, what, what's your word for us as we go into this new year? What are you saying? The Holy Spirit began to deal with me about what I taught you about finances and giving. And basically, this is what he said. If you don't teach what's balanced, then you've left your congregation in the hands of the imbalanced. And he says, you're responsible for that. He said, if those shut their mouth who are concerned about that which is wrong, you're just as guilty as those who are saying what's wrong. That was a little heavy. I said, so what do I do? And he said, so teach your congregation. Help them understand. Before you take the offering, take a moment and teach them what it means, how to give, why we give, who God is, how we honor him. I've done that for over 20 years. You know why? Because it's the word of God. And because we need to understand his blessing on his life, our life. And the concept of seed, seeds, is not just a financial thing. It's everything in your life. I want to show you this as we understand this. I want you to go to Genesis 1. (laughs) Genesis 1. I want you to see the connection 
How many are finding Genesis 1 in some way? Genesis 1, 11. In every way, in every facet of our life, God has established principles and patterns that if we understand those and follow them, it allows us to live in his kingdom while we're here on this earth. How many believe we can do that? He said, pray, let your will be done, let your kingdom come, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants you as a believer to be living on this earth within the authority and the realm of his kingdom. Heaven can come to earth as we obey the word of God. And so I want you to see this. I want you to see and understand in your life, we're we're going to see some fascinating truth, be a revelation to many of us. As we're in this study. So Genesis 1, look at verse 11. This is Genesis 1. <laughs> this is the beginning. How many understand that? This is God's design about how creation works. Genesis 1 and verse 11 and 12. What do we read? Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Watch this. Seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation. Plants bearing what? Seed. What? According to their kinds. And trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. Look at this statement. And God saw that it was what? Good. That's an established principle of God. He could have created vegetation to work in any way he chose to. He could have filled this planet any way he wanted. But he said, what I'm going to do is put seed in everything that grows, and it will produce after its kind. I want you to drop down and look at verse 29 in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, 29. Watch this. Then God said... I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. Do you know the first gift God ever gave the human race was seed? The first gift God ever gave to man was seed. What he simply said is that I have designed what I've created to operate on these principles. And I'm going to give it to you to make it work on your behalf. He said, it's his gift to us. If we don't understand this concept, we're going to miss many things that God wants to do in our life. All right? Everybody with me right now? I want you to understand this is before the fall. (laughs) This was the concept in its purity. This is what God created before man sinned and, and, and wrecked some things that we could have. How many want to punch Adam in the nose when you go to heaven? Okay. I'm sorry, probably we'll be sanctified and that won't happen, but <clears throat> I've thought about it on a few occasions. So let's go to Genesis 8:22. I want you to see this. Is, this. is this principle intact? Is this design, this concept that God created and gave to us as a gift, will it always function in that same way. Genesis 8, 22, when, when God is making a covenant, when God is establishing with Noah as, as, as really the human race had to begin again from Noah and his descendants following the flood, as he's reestablishing what he will do and ordering how we go forward. Genesis 8, 22, as long as the earth endures, <laughs> seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night will never cease as long as the earth endures. The principle that God established will always be in operation. So we need to understand that because if somebody say amen to that, this is important. What happened when God took Israel and said it's time for you to step into this promised land. It's time for you to take your next step. He said, you're not going to eat manna anymore. You're not going to live, listen to me, on a handout. You're not going to be a people that have lived like you've been living. Something has changed in your life. 
Instead of you doing this, what did he say? I'm going to roll the reproach of slavery off of you. And I'm going to put you in a promised land that will not operate on the principles of slavery. It will not operate on the principles of manna. It will operate on the principles of seed time and harvest. You know what he said? You're going to live at a higher level. How many want to live at a higher level? See, there's some things we've gotten used to. Here's what he's saying. He says, I'm, for you to go into the next, for you to begin to have that tomorrow, I'm going to have to break the slave mentality off of you, and I'm going to have to put a son and daughter mentality on you. Come on, how many with me right now? See, I think there's a whole lot of church and a whole lot of preaching and a whole lot of stuff that goes on in the name of the Lord that's really all about just me living on, on, on something God can do and never stepping into my place of responsibility. He says, if I'm going to go into my promised land, I've got to roll the reproach of a slave off of me. If I don't want the reproach of slavery on me, then I've got to step out from under the mentality of slavery. I've got to get into this promised land, and I've got to understand that no longer am I living on what comes in the morning in manna. I'm determining my future by what I'm willing to do today with the seed that God put in my life. If you're tired of eating what you've been eating, you better start sowing something you've not been sowing. If you're tired of living where you've been living, we need to start determining where I'm going to go, how I talk, how I live, how I love, how I forgive, how I speak, how I think, where I go, who I hang out with, where I, what I talk about my family and my future. If I not only want the title slave off of me, but I want to live like an heir as a son and daughter, then I have to sow something I didn't sow before. God says, I'm, listen, God says, I'm going to put something in your hand that you didn't have before. He couldn't trust them with seed in the wilderness. But when they finally said, we're going in, we're going to follow the Lord. My mom and daddy may have blown it, but I'm going to go in. When you finally say, I'm going to go beyond anybody in my family. Anybody with me today? When we finally say, my family didn't get there, but I'm getting there. Mom and daddy didn't do it, but I'm doing it. My grandpa didn't do it, but I'm doing it. My grandmother didn't get there, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to step in. I'm going to determine who I become. And what my family will have, not worrying about somebody else, but planting the seed that God put in my life. That's overcomer life. That's victorious life. That's determining where I'm going by what I'm doing today. Let's look at the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. How many are still with me right now? See, we're, we're, you know what we're doing, don't you? We're moving on. Uh, it, it's moving day. Come on, somebody say amen. It's moving day. How many are ready to get out of the tents of the desert? T-E-N-T-S. The tents of the desert and move into your house. <laughs> How many are ready to stop eating manna and start having some good stuff to eat? Come on, some variety. Come on. See, see, the good thing is if I want to eat apples, I, I need to plant some apple seeds. If I'm tired of eating manna, I need to plant some other stuff in my life. If I'm tired of where I've been and what I'm doing, I need to do something different. If you don't like where your marriage is and you need to start planting some seeds. Well, that old woman never knows. No. That old woman don't love me anymore. She'll know what she has and she's never going to love you and she'll never know what she has. That sorry husband of mine doesn't appreciate me. He doesn't know the gift of God. Yep, he'll never appreciate you and he'll never know you're a gift from God. I start planting some seeds. I'd start saying, if I, listen, man, if you don't like your marriage, if I was a husband, I'd, I'd wake up in the morning and look at my wife and say, good night. How do you look this good this early? I'd look at her and say, sweetheart, you don't need makeup. You're, you're, you're Miss America right now. Man. How did I get blessed to live with Miss Universe? You're the smartest woman I've ever met. You're the kindest mother I've ever seen. You're a gift of God in my life. You know what she'll do? She'll start. You know what? You tell her you're so pretty you don't need makeup. She'll go put some on and go, you know. Look at this. See, there's a story, true story, true account. Uh, an island nation, South Pacific. What they would do is when a young man wanted to marry a young woman, he had to go to her father. And not only did he ask permission 
to marry the daughter, he had to give her, he had to promise the father a gift that would be commensurate to honor his daughter, okay? And so there was the son of the island chief. Now, this island, it was an island nation, so cattle were very scarce. True story. And he fell in love with a young lady in, in, on the island that was not physically attractive. She had been overlooked and somewhat considered not, you know, class A marriage material. And she kind of would walk with her head down and kind of just quiet in the back in the shadows because she didn't fit the criteria. But the son of the island leader fell in love with her. And so he went to her father and he said, I want to marry your daughter. And he says, now, this is what happened. He said, I'll give you seven cows to marry your daughter. Now, you have to understand, on that island, that was like $7 million. And so word spread all over the island. He offered her father seven cows. And all of a sudden, that little young lady who was discounted and looked down upon, nobody recognized her. She stayed back in the pack. All of a sudden, pardon me, ladies, I'm just telling the story the way it is. She became a seven-cow girl, okay? <laughs> and all of a sudden, true story, you know what happened to that, that young lady? Boy, she started walking through that town. That's the seven-cow girl right there. She's a seven cow. He paid seven cows to her father. You know what happened? She looked the same as she did the day before, but when the value was placed on her life, she rose to the occasion of where it was. Listen, you, you, I, I know your husband, you know, I know gravity is having, he's got furniture disease and his chest has fallen in his drawers. I understand that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I know. I know he used to look like Tarzan, and now he just looks. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, he had, a, he had a little canoe tattooed right here. Now it looks like a battleship. Stretched down there. My God, you know, what, what happened? <laughs> but here's the deal. Here's the deal. <laughs> you need to start to tell that man, man, I thank God for you. Man, I love you. You're a great husband. You're a great father to our children. I tell you what, honey, you get better all the time. You know, he, he might jerk that chest up a little bit. That battleship might become, you know, a little smaller. Things get to look. And, 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 and you know, you want your husband to pray for you. you. You don't do like this. You don't love God. I never have heard you pray. I don't know if you know how to pray. Well, he's not going to pray with you. He wouldn't pray with you if the atomic bomb was coming down. But you begin to tell him, honey, I thank God for you. I appreciate who you are. I thank you for leading our family, being good to our family. And I just want you to know that it would just bless me for you to speak a word over me. Don't ask me to preach a sermon. Start somewhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I do today will determine what I have tomorrow. The seeds I plant today are determining the life I live tomorrow. In every facet of my life. What do you call your children? What do you say about your children? What do you speak over your children? Oh, a bunch of sorry kids can't get anything done. I'm lazy. Well, they're going to be lazy. They're going to be sorry. They're never going to get anything done. You need to prophesy over them while they're in the womb. I have a gift of God coming to me. They are going to be righteous men and women. My sons and daughters are going to prophesy. They're going to declare the kingdom of God. They're going to rise up and be blessed and have favor. They're going to lead our family to places we've never been before. They're going to stand on my shoulders and take our family into a blessing and a history and a favor. They're going to serve God. They're going to be righteous men and women of God. They are ten, they are ten times smarter than all the rest and blessed by God. Nobody is like them on the earth. They're the children of God. That's who they are. What kind of kid you want? Now, I didn't say it'll happen overnight. <laughs> Some of you got a late start. <laughs> Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Devil's been raking havoc with those kids. But you better start. If you don't like where they are today, you better change about how you talk to them if you want it to be better tomorrow. I could say a lot of things about this, but I'm going to go on because we're good and everything's well here. You know, there, there are some people... If they'd appreciate their church more, they'd have a better church. I could probably preach better. Some of you talk nicer about me. 
You know, we live in this Facebook society now. Everybody's a critic. Everybody's a critic. People talk about things they don't have any idea what they're talking about. Put everything down. Everybody's down. I'm blessed at this church. You're kind to me. The people that don't like me never tell me, so just keep it that way. Thank God. I mean, I, I feel good around here. I'm blessed, encouraged, and blessed, and good things happen. But you know, there are a lot of places I really believe things could be like you want them to if you'd talk about them the right way, if you'd pray about them the right way, if you would bless them the right way, if you would speak. How many understand C? God created C. God said, if you want to stop living like a slave and work walking in a circle in the wilderness, then I'm going to put you in a position, instead of waiting on manna, you have a seed you can plant anytime, anywhere that you want to and determine what's coming in your life. It's the Word of God. So, let's look at 2 Corinthians 9. I'm taking too long on some of these things. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. How many say, Pastor, I want to know kingdom seeds? I want the kingdom to come and his will to be done. Look at, look at verse 10. Here's the blessing of this. We've studied this before, but I want you to remember this in this context. Now, he who supplies seed, here's the incredible good news. You and I don't create or supply the seed. God gives it to us. God gives it to us. Everything you need to determine the tomorrow God has planned for you is already in your reach. It's already in your reach. He who supplies seed to the sower, not the hoarder, the sower. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply, look at this, and increase your store of seed. Oh. You start sowing, and God says, I'm going to give them some more. We're going to do some more of that. We're, we're, we're going to have some more of that. See, people hoard and have less. People sow and have more. Are you with me? And he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way. Oh, don't talk about rich in the Bible. I'm just reading it. How many want to be made rich in every way? How many want a rich marriage, rich, rich, blessed family life, rich, blessed church life, your finances blessed, your health blessed, your future blessed, your present blessed. He'll make you rich in every way. Your spirit blessed. You, you know, stop saying, God never talks to me. Don't make your pastor mad. God talks to you every day. If you'd read that Bible more... You'd recognize his voice more quickly. God talks to you. If you don't think God talks to you, you need to start saying, thank God he talks to me every day. You'll be surprised what you'll start hearing. Sow the seed. Don't say, I can't understand the Bible. Yes, you can. The Bible says the spirit of God lives in you and quickens you and you know all things. You need to walk around and say, I get it. I get it. I understand the word. I hear the voice of God. He hears my prayer. My prayers don't bounce off the ceiling. My prayers go all the way to the throne of God. What seeds are you planting? He gives seed to the sower, rich in every way. Why? See, everybody wants to put a period right there. You'll be made rich in every way. Well, hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go. I don't see a period there. Do you? I don't even see a comma. God didn't even take a breath. Why did he do that? So you can be generous on every occasion. Every occasion. Not just your money, your words, your kindness, your love, your forgiveness, your mercy, your patience, your goodness. Anybody with me? Every occasion. I have more than enough because I sow the seeds God's given me. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, God gives the seed. I'm responsible to sow the seed. And when I do it, everybody says, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Can I help you? If the only thing you're sowing is from you, you get the glory. But if you sow the seeds that God gave you, God gets the glory. It's too big for you and me. It's greater than you and I. And so what do I do with the seed God's put in my life? I don't eat the seed. I sow the seed. Can I help you? We look at church wrong. Listen, I want to help you. Look at this wonderful gathering of amazing men and women of God today. L listen to me. 
We are not the fruit of Calvary today. We're the seed of Calvary today. You you didn't get it, did you? The the measure of what we're doing as a church family is not just what we see in this room. We're not the fruit. We're the seed. The measure of the church is what happens through us. Everybody with me? It's the effect of our lives in our homes, in our families, at school, in business, around the world, through our missions, what we do. See, we're not the fruit, we're the seed. We've got to understand that. You don't eat the seed, you plant the seed. Listen, how many of you love apple pie? Good old homemade apple pie. Tell us, put your hand up. Don't act like you don't like apple pie. How many love apple pie? Isn't apple pie better than apple seed pie? Huh? You ever thought about that? I don't want apple seed pie. I want apple pie. And you know what a lot of people, you know why a lot of people are bitter in life? Because they're eating apple seed pie when they could be eating apple pie. What are you talking about? I'm saying they're eating their seed. And because they're consuming and eating and hoarding their seed, life's not full like it could be. But when I begin to live in the kingdom principles of seed and I'm sowing seed, I have a fruitful harvest that comes in my life. Stop eating apple seed pie. And start eating apple pie. Stop eating our seed. And let's release our seed. Everybody with me? To do what God wants to do. It, it's an incredible. That's the way God wants us to, lead, to live. And so what we're, what we're entering into, and I call this kingdom seeds. I want us to begin to look at this just for a few minutes today. And as we go on, we'll see more. I want, us, I want to take a moment. We do this once a year where we look at kingdom builders. What we do through our giving Put the gospel out locally and around the world. And it's the very same concept. We are simply saying, once a year we come together as a church family, take a couple of Sundays and say, let's pray about what God wants to do through us. Let's begin to talk to God and say, God, how do you want to use me over this next 12 months to see more people reach more quickly than ever before? What do you want to do? What's in my hand that you gave me that wasn't intended just for me. Everybody with me? What is it that you put, listen to me, it's how you step to another level. What is it that I have that if I release it, you have promised you'll make it multiply and you'll take care of everything else I need in my life. See, you begin to live at a different level. We don't just come in here every week and learn how to receive. So we've stepped into a promised land. We're not under the slave mentality. We're not under, gimme, gimme, gimme. We begin to walk into a place where we're saying, it's not just about what I've learned to receive, it's what I've learned to release. It's who I am now in the kingdom. It's me understanding with total confidence that God wants to use me. God wants to use us. God wants to do things that, that are, are, are above and beyond. It, kingdom Builders has been an amazing success. Church family, you have made noble responses. It's allowed us. What did we say? We didn't know a pandemic was coming. But what did we say? We want to be proactive. We want to reach more people more quickly than we ever did before. I'm going to give details next week, and I'll I'll show you what we've done in this last year. We're about six weeks behind where we normally visit this great truth, but, but we're here, okay? Now, stay with me just quickly. What I want you to see is look at this year. Look what we did in our dream centers this year. Look at the testimony of feeding hungry people in the biggest crisis this nation has had. Calvary had a testimony. Come on, are you with me? God had a testimony that said, when everything else is running short, we're going to feed you. When everything else is running out, we're not going to run away. I had pressure to say, shut the dream center down. I had people tell us, me and Pastor Emilio, Pastor Mitch, you better close them down. You better hold on. You better just get what you can and, and, and just hold it. But we gave it away. We gave it away. We gave it away. And guess what happened? We planted and planted and planted and planted. And the harvest and the harvest and the harvest and the harvest. We gave away seven years worth of food in the middle of a pandemic. We had more people saved than any year we ever had. We were ready. Why? Because we are planters, not hoarders. 
We get to see God do what he said. We are living in the kingdom economy instead of the economy of this world. It's amazing. We've grown personally. We, we've learned to pray and say, God, what do you want to do with me? For me and my family, what do you want us to give to kingdom builders? This is our money. It's not tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. This is over and above the tithe. God, what do you want us to do? And we've prayed and we've listened and we've obeyed and we've watched God back it up, back it up, back it up. We've seen the economy of the kingdom. We've seen it firsthand. God gets the glory. We, we, we've sent missionaries and we've had crusades and we're getting ready through some generous giving to, to start another school in February in the Dominican Republic. We haven't stopped. We haven't blinked. We haven't turned back. Why? Because God said, I want my kingdom to come and my will to be done on this earth and I'm going to do it through people who understand how my kingdom operates. Can I tell you, church family, I'm, I'm watching my time. It's okay. Just let me watch this. Can I tell you this? Why, would, why do we talk about finance? Why would we have kingdom builders and, 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 and stretch ourselves? Why would I have the audacity to ask you to pray and obey God about your finances? It's not because we're in a crisis of lack. Did you hear what I said? We're not in a crisis of lack. How many thank God we're not in a crisis of lack? I don't come in here every Sunday and say, oh, we're going to close the doors next week. I don't know how we're going to make it. <laughs> you know what? Who wants to be a part of that? Now, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> we've had some weeks that we've walked through when I wanted to say that, but I didn't because I'm not going to besperge the reputation of my God. I'm not going to insult the intelligence of this congregation. I'm going to walk up here and preach the word, 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 and trust in the Lord with all my heart, and lean not on my understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him, and he will make my path straight. I will honor him and put him first, and my barn will overflow, and my vats will brim over, because he's Jehovah Jireh, who's the provider of God, and if we do what he says to do, he will do what he promised to do, and we've had some time that were lean, 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 lean. I mean, somebody accused me of, of, of squeezing blood out of a penny. But look what the Lord has done. Look how he's brought us through. Look at the faithfulness of God. And so let me explain this loud and clear. When we talk about kingdom guild builders, it's not a crisis of lack. Our God has been more than enough. But it is, listen, a crisis of time. We don't have a crisis of lack in this church, but we face a crisis of time. Pastor, what in the world do you mean? Because the clock's been ticking, and the events have been ordering themselves, and the return of Jesus Christ, I believe, is at hand. I believe it's at hand. Jesus could come back right now according to his word. I could, we, could, we could be raptured before I finish this message. We could be raptured before we get in our car and go home today. And as we move through the events and what we see happening around us, you need to understand something. And I need to understand something. The, the, the ages are coming together. Prophecy is lining up like never before. We are walking, sitting on a front row of biblical fulfillment of prophecy. And Jesus is coming back. You need to understand that. You need to have an awareness that this world and all of its trappings will not exist forever. And what you see now you'll not, will not always exist. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, I want him to find you and I not hiding in a cave, hoarding up our seed, crying about the economy, running away from a pandemic. I want him to come back and find Calvary, sowing seed, bringing harvest, saving souls, releasing miracles, walking in the faith of God, grabbing one more. I just want to say, God, give us one more. God, let us build one more school. Let us feed one more family. Let us see one more marriage saved. Let's see one more drug addict rescued. Let's see one more prodigal come home. Let's 
Let's see one more opportunity, God. Give us one more Christmas now and then. Let us have one more altar call. God, let us do this thing. We don't have a crisis of lack. We have a crisis of time. I don't want to ask us today, (laughs) are you living in the awareness of eternity? See, life sucks us in, doesn't it? And all we see is today, you know, maybe the next day, and we we, we get caught in this thing. But I'm going to tell you, come on, church family, we need a reminder. We need to live in the light of eternity. Jesus is coming back. Someday we're going to be there. And I'm going to tell you, I want to make sure I did what I could. When I look at eternity, I say, God, what am I doing with my time? When I, when I think of eternity, did I use my time right? Did I let you have the talent you gave me to see your kingdom go? Did I take the treasure you put in my life? Oh, you may not consider what you have a treasure, but it's a treasure. It's full of seed. My time, my talent, my treasure. Have I lived in view of eternity? Have I lived my life understanding God's not going to run out, but time's going to run out someday? Did I do what I could? Did we reach as many people as we could, as quickly as we could? See, we, we, we've seen the faithfulness of God. Church family, I want to encourage you today. We're in a, an anointed Kairos moment at Calvary. I believe the church in America is. I believe the church around the world is. I believe God's not through. I believe God's going to do some amazing things. But I'm going to tell you, we, we, we had better be locked in and solid in the things of God. We'd better understand we live in a time of lack, supply chain. You know, isn't it, we're, hearing, we're hearing words we never heard before. Now there's a supply chain crisis. We're out of this. We're out of that. We were out of toilet paper at first, weren't we? That worried me. But anyway... We have restrooms here at the church. It worried me. Anyway, but, but we, you know, we're out of this. We're out of that. We got a supply chain lack. We, we, you know, did, did you get the vaccine? Did you get the booster vaccine? You know, pe- did you ever dream people are on the verge of losing their job because of some mandate that's put down on us? Did you ever dream that, 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 that the church would allow division to creep in among us out of this world's culture? That we would judge somebody. Do you have a mask or do you don't have a mask? Did you get vaccinated or did you not get vaccinated? God help us. Did we ever dream that, that, that this old sin of prejudice would try to creep back into church again? Did we ever dream that racism would try to raise its ugly head back inside the house of God? Did you ever think that people you used to go to church with and never think twice and now you come in, you got your side eyes going, just suspicion? Try to creep in the house of God. But I'm going to tell you, there is a kingdom whose head is not a president or a Democrat or a Republican. There is a kingdom whose ruler sits on a throne greater than the White House, higher than Washington, D.C., who sits on the throne of heaven, who rules and reigns in his mighty power, who speaks and it comes, who moves his hand and the waters still part, the mountains still come down, the stars still stay up in the sky. And I pledge my life and this church that we will follow him and his word and his kingdom and his seed and we will not be shaken for he's the king of the universe, the mighty God. Come on, worship team. Come on, let's give him praise today. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, God. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. I want to give you one more bit of good news here. (laughs) I want to give you some really good news. No one, no nation on the planet, planet has sown the seed of missions like the United States. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have invested billions of dollars out of the church in America around this world. The greatest revivals on this planet right now are not in the United States. They're in South America. 
They're in Asia. They're in Africa. There are nations in this world today, stay with me, listen, you're going you're gonna to get help, that are having revival, that are having people saved so quickly. Listen to me. Their people are being saved faster than the birth rate. There are more people coming in the kingdom than being born or die. Do you know, we hear people say, come on, I'm going to help you, stay with me. Why, why do we see so many miracles outside the country instead of here? I want you to stay with me. Why do we see the salvations and the revivals and the miracles? But I want to tell you something, Calvary. I want to tell you something, Kingdom Builders. I want to tell you something, Church of America. Missions is coming back to us. We sowed the seed. We planted the harvest. Ecclesiastes 11.1 says... If you cast your bread on the water, it's coming back. It's coming back. America, revival's coming back. Miracles are coming back. Salvation's coming back. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit's coming back. Why? Because God said, if I sow it, I reap it. If I give it, I receive it. If I plant it, it's going to happen. I'm not afraid of tomorrow. I'm not afraid of what's coming. I want you millennials and Gen Z to hear me. I believe in you. I believe in the call on you. I believe in what you're going to do. We've sowed in you, prayed for you, blessed you, built churches for you. You're not going down. We're not losing this. We're going to hand it off to you. And you're going to do great things. We're the church. We've sown too much. We've sown too much. We've given too much. We've invested too much. We're going to do it. Missions is going to come back to America. Revival is going to come back here. Calvary. That's why we do what we do. That's why we are who we are. Today, I want to say to you one more time. You must raise your expectation. You must raise your expectation. Right now, we're going to cast off the spirit of heaviness. We're going to cast off the spirit of isolation. We're going to cast off the spirit of failure. The spirit of despair. The spirit of depression. Listen to me. We're going to cast off the spirit of sin and lust. And that that has taken over this nation. And our young men and women are going to live as virgins. They're going to marry as virgins. They're not going to be bound in pornography. They're not going to smoke dope and smoke weed and snort coke and drink booze. It's changing. It's changing. We're going to live a holy life. We're not going to sin. We're not going to get saved every Sunday and backslide every week. We're casting off that foolishness. We're going to live boldly for Jesus. Come on, anybody with me today? That's who we are. It's who we are. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.